Welcome to the Eastern Current Saltwater Fishing Podcast presented by Florida Fishing Products. Today I sit down with Captain Ozzy and Captain Michael Bell and we talk all things inshore fishing related to here in North Carolina. We talk about speckled trout fishing, wintertime red fishing, and some of the laws and regulations that we're dealing with right now here in our state. It's a great podcast, a lot of good information, and just some good banter back and forth between a couple of guides hanging out around a table talking about what they love. Hope you all enjoy the episode. Being on the water day in and day out throughout the season, our boats take a beating. Whether we need fiberglass work, new non-skid, hole painting, rigging, and electrical, or full-blown custom restoration, Brock Boatworks has you covered. Specializing in high-end skiffs, bay boats, and center consoles, their attention to detail and customer service ensures that you have the work done right the first time so you don't have to get it done again. You can find their information in the podcast show notes. Michael, Ozzy, Happy New Year. Same to you, man. Happy New Year, dude. Hey, it's, uh, it's a new year, which means new fish, hopefully. Hopefully. So we, we started this podcast with uh, no goal, no direction. <laughs> and usually what our feedback that we get is that these are people's favorite. We just kind of get on here and hang out and talk, yeah. do a little sipping, do a little spitting. And, uh, and, and just hanging out. So we're going to kind of talk about, um, how the fishing's been kind of looking into maybe some goals and aspirations as guides, as anglers for this upcoming year, maybe a dream trip for this upcoming year. Uh, I already told my wife that I would not do a trip this year since we've got another baby coming, but that's my first announcement on this podcast, but we have a third kid coming, a little girl in May. So my year is going to be definitely just hanging around. Usually the years we have another a kid, I don't do any traveling, but we'll see. Maybe a quick goose hunt to New York or something for a weekend. I've already kind of got stored in the back of my head. <laughs> but outside of that, uh, we're going to we're gonna just get chatting. So how was y'all's Christmas, New Year? How's y'all's fishing been? Good. Um, so I went out of town, went back to the mountains in western North Carolina, did a little trout fishing up there for one day, and um, it was all right. We got a bunch of rain right before we got there, so the water was a little little off, a little high. So, But we did find some feeding fish up on the surface, sipping midges and little blooming dollops, and worked on them for a little bit, got some strikes. And since I haven't trout fished in a while, missed every single one of them except for one. <laughs> nice. But, you know, that's how it goes. It's still fun. In college, when we used to go up there and fish the mountains, we'd go and Michael would catch, like, this was when I was, like, just really getting into like technical small stream North Carolina fishing and Michael would catch like 25 fish and I would catch one maybe <laughs> he'd be like yeah they're eating dries up here in this pool and I'm sitting there just running a freaking bobber rig through every fast deep run and <laughs> not catching anything I'm losing my touch I haven't been doing it that much but no Montana I couldn't even tie a knot in 5x anymore I don't think <laughs> yeah I would say we went out to Montana uh was that September I think and that was that was awesome. It was tough fishing, but the last day it finally came together, and we had some some epic dry fly eats. But I think I probably went forty percent actual hookup, <laughs> missing fish left and right. So, but that's all right, buddy. Yeah, it's, it's so okay. night and day there. I mean, oh, yeah. it's totally different. You don't no gill flare. You know, no mouth this big. So right, yeah, it's it's totally different. I I was also humbled. Um, in Idaho, not too long ago. Yeah, you were just in Idaho. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I was thinking, like, why does Ozzy go to Idaho so often? I didn't mm-hmm. even really realize he liked trout fishing that much. And I've come to find out his sister lives there, yeah. <laughs> which is awesome. That's what you said on the phone, like, dude. You're out west a lot. 
Like you're like, yeah, I like it out here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't even I didn't even uh, divulge any information. Yeah, I like it. That uh, no, I, I guess turning the question to me, I had a good Christmas and New Year. Hopefully, I didn't interrupt you, Mike. Oh no, you're good. Um, it was a weird one as far as like the holidays goes. Um, my family was in Idaho, but my wife and I both had to work right around Christmas. So it was just her and I. Um, and, nice. so yeah, we've been married for almost three years now. And this is the first time we didn't wake up and go to a parent's house, like hers or mine or whatever, because everybody traveled except us for work or whatever. And, um, yeah, it was weird. We're like, this doesn't, this doesn't feel like Christmas. <laughs> um, but it was good. Went to Idaho, did the whole family thing. Uh, I had just gotten back from Louisiana, so I only got a couple days to fish, and I was stoked about it. Uh, I was like, man, that was good fishing. We had good trout fishing. Uh, the redfish were where they were supposed to be doing what they're supposed to do. Then I traveled again. That's when I went to Idaho. We didn't fish this go around. Um, did get to visit the Idaho anglers. Got some good buddies up there. Great shop. Um, got back, and it's a totally different fishery. And I was asking Mike. I was like, I don't know what kind of weather you had. <laughs> so much rain for wintertime. <laughs> Dude. And then I was I was talking to uh, Ethan, a uh, fly fishing guide out my way, or up my way, rather, and uh, he's like, yeah, we're having fronts, which is typical, but they're coming from weird directions. He's like, they're not northeasterns. No. Um, so we, and, and I had him on the show recently, um, and we talk a little bit about that. Like, and that podcast will go out today. Actually, that doesn't even make sense to anyone listening to this. <laughs> it will not go out today. It's going to go out the day we're recording this, but but not when you hear this. Um. So, yeah, it's definitely been a weird winter, but uh, just as far as the fishing goes right now, I'm just writing that whole tank of gas off. I'm covering water, covering water, covering water. Um, I'm making, instead of making like mile or two runs to one spot or the other, if I don't like it, I'm I'm five miles, eight miles, ten miles up. I'm going to try to change everything about what we're doing. And that's a cool part of our fishery is like you can run ten miles and be in something totally different. You know, from the speed of the current, clarity of water, even your scenery, though. I mean, to the trees and the grass and the. It's. it's I really appreciate it. I really sh- like showing my guest something different too. Um, that's not why I've been running. I've been running out of necessity. Um, but yeah, just burning that whole tank of gas. You know, utilizing all fifteen gallons of it to go to make it happen. Um, right, wrong, or indifferent. That's kind of been what I've. Been my whistling tune this week, and uh, yeah, fifteen mile an hour just feels like that's that's the norm. You know, that's what we're gonna do. So that that's kind of yeah. That's uh that that can be a standard this time of year. It's nice when you get. It's, I mean, a lot of what we do this time of year is red fishing with some with some speckled trout fishing mixed in, and then getting off the beach on some nice days. But um, the the when you've got groups of fish close to each other, that's awesome. But if you don't then the running is definitely part of the game as far as just trying to to, to pin them down. And you, sometimes you know where they are, and sometimes you just have to act like you know where they are on those days where you just get um, a little confused or a little lost or a school that's been so consistent isn't there. Uh, you, you have to, you know, fly by the seam of your pants a little bit. This is my favorite time of year and my least favorite time of year at the exact same time to fish. That's ah, not my favorite time of year. It can be – one of my favorite times of year to guide when it's really good because you can just have these epic days. But I, I like the I like that late summer fishing personally the best because it's you know so strategic mm-hmm. if you will as opposed to 
part of the schooling fish in the winter is just like covering the ground and stumble into them. It's yeah. not as necessarily like I got to be here at this tide and that and blah, blah, blah. Maybe you do if they're way back in a creek. But when it all comes together this time of year, you're going to have your biggest number days of redfish yeah. on the fly and redfish sight fished, which is what clients love and what mm-hmm. you won't always give them. Uh, I feel like as a guide, sometimes it can be the, those individual shots that mean so much and, and that yeah. are burned in your brain and that keep you fired up. But what do y'all think? I agree. I was going to say, I mean, I think visually it's awesome during the summer to see tails and backs and yeah. all that kind of stuff. It's just a totally different game or different visual than what you're getting this time of year. But it is, it's just amazing when you roll up and you see a hundred fish and then when you roll up and see like a true megawatt of two to 300 fish, I mean, it doesn't happen every day, but when it happens, it's, it's just incredible. It's like, you just got to take a second, take it in and enjoy it. Cause you're not going to get that every single day. But when it happens, it's amazing. Oh, they can wad up. It's been a year or two since I've seen a, a gram a together, one. a thousand fish. But yeah. there's times and places where you'll get a school of a thousand fish. And drones have been the freaking killer of the, the school. Demise. Demise yeah. of wintertime red fishing. Like it's it's awful. People are lazy and they go out there and just use those to find fish instead of using their troll motor or pushing around with a stick like you're supposed to. But um it's just part of the part of the times are changing. Like like we've said on here before, social media was the rise and will probably be the death of the outdoor world at some point if we don't get get our butts in gear. But um, either way, fishing's fishing. Um, I, I feel like though with all, all the all the technology and social media and stuff, it robs us of some of those joys that that it used to that you used to have in finding fish and catching a fish and like taking a picture just to like show your wife at home or something like that. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it, unfortunately there's no way around it. It just kind of takes away from it that back when I started guiding and you know, you don't, you're, you're in an unknown area and you find this new group of fish that you never knew was there. And they've probably been doing that for 20 years coming there at that time of year, but sure. just that like, Oh my goodness, I mean, mm-hmm. I found a gold mine. And then you don't see anyone else fish them the whole winter, you know, or maybe one other boat. And now it's like if you find a school of fish, good luck to have one week yeah. of them to yourself. But this isn't going to be a podcast about us just complaining about winter fishing. <laughs> a lot of them turn into that this they time do. of year. Um, well, a couple comments on what you said about the, the, the years and, the, and changing. I feel like in the summer, my game plan is meticulous, like you said. And in the wintertime, I'm not as much. And you, you described it great, but my gear becomes meticulous it's almost like what gets my attention changes like now i'm like i I mean this is really telling on myself but i'll get lazy in the summer with my leaders yeah a couple knots a little short whatever it doesn't really matter because of the different color water or their activity level but or even my fly selection it's a little little bushy i didn't trim that fly as much as i should have but it's okay as soon as you said that that's where my mind went but in the in the winter time, your your flies matter, your leaders matter, your casting distance matters. Um, whereas my game plan might not be so detail oriented in the winter. Like there's a group of fish in this two mile area, we're gonna go find them. Um, but what is meticulous and what is detail oriented is my gear more so. Which it, it really I'm probably telling on myself it probably should be in the summer, but I just think it's a little more forgiving. I think you can get away yeah. with more. And then on the social media aspect of things, um, I feel like we've talked about it a hundred times, sure. It is the, could possibly be the demise of our fishery. But I'm just so encouraged when I see conservation is cool on social media. So as much as it may hurt, you know, 
there's a lot of good things coming from it. I mean, the boys down south have proven that with the uh, the bills they've gotten passed, the Tampa Bay Water Keepers, the Captain's Clean Water, this and that. Um, so I, it's a double-edged sword, you know what I mean? There's a lot of good things coming from it, and there's a lot of people getting reached that otherwise may, may have not you know, heard the message and showed up For at sure. that meeting. This podcast is a great example of that, you know, um, getting the word out, getting the conservation out. So, and, and and the message of being a good steward, I think, is is a growing message that we're seeing on social media. So, it does suck when your um, your spot gets stole or whatever, and that's a whole other can of worms too. But I think sometimes we don't look at the positive the positive things, and we've all gotten trips from social media. Um, so yeah, there there's a lot of negative. Um, I totally agree with that, but I think there's a lot of positive that comes from it too. Um, that we kind of breeze over because there is bad stuff happening. But, yeah, neither here nor there. No, that's that's kind of how I shift from summer to winter. So really looking forward to the rest of winter. It's like a bit, it's like yeah. a big question mark. I never, like, that's a part of the fun, like the anticipation. Like, is it, is it going to, are they going to do this? Are they going to do that? What kind right, of winter right. are we going to have? But yeah. I don't know. Never know. I was going to say, we were, me and Ozzy were talking before we started the podcast up and, you know, back what three weeks ago super consistent super happy fish seemed like everything was kind of fired up and in its zone and doing what it was supposed to and now it's still some fish there there's still some fish here but nothing seems to have stayed true to like it normally does during the winter which Mm -hmm. is once they kind of get there they're there and they're gonna do their thing every day Mm -hmm. or at least most days they may not be happy but they're still gonna be there yeah um and it seems like a lot of this rain changed that Changed the water a lot. I mean, just the water, looking at some of the stuff that I looked at yesterday, awful. Yeah. Still looks awful. Mm-hmm. And it's been over a week, week mm-hmm. and a half. So, um. This time of year when the tides aren't as big, too, it takes longer to flush all that junk out of here. Yeah, yeah it does. So, so as I say, going back to, like, game plans, like, changing, you know, we get a little more tidal influ- influence further south. So, like, going down there the other day, I, like, looked at the water in one spot and was like, this ain't going to work. There's no reason to keep going. Let's move. Let's change direction. Go somewhere that's got current, got some cleaner water, and started looking. And, I mean, all that stuff is already flushed out. It's already cleaned up. It's ready to go. You know, and the fish are starting to set up. It's a little later in the winter when they finally get into some of these spots. But there's those little feeder groups that are already starting. But they're yeah. definitely mixed with mullet and some other stuff. But, you know, as the winter goes on, they'll start to clean up and get better and better and better. So I feel like in the winter is when my fish theories, I call them fish theories, why fish do what they do? Get the wildest. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, why'd that fit? You know, why are they not there? Well, uh, well, they probably had this growth of parasites in here, and they decided to go to the waterway, and now they're, right. in, you know, like, right. I get these long explanations for why they did what they did, and I'm like, dude, it's fishing. They just, I've said it many a times on the show, is like, I used to get frustrated in the tackle shop, because the old dude at the coffee pot, he'd be like, well, they got tails in their own ways of thinking, son, you know? Right. It's simple. I really wanted that magic bullet is what I was looking for, and that's what he would always say. But he, he was right. But in the wintertime, man, my theories, they get crazy, you know, because <laughs> they will just disappear or they'll just move or whatever. No. But what are you most looking forward to this winter? Oh, this winter, I – you know one thing I'm really looking forward to this year, actually, is shad fishing in February when the shad push in. Nice. I love shad fishing. I didn't get to go at all last year, but Fletcher's old enough now 
And this is just a, this is just not not guiding. This isn't anything glorious, but just to take Fletcher out and let him catch some shad on a spinner rod, like I think he can get it done himself. So yeah. that'll be fun to do. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to spring fishing. I'm looking forward to late winter when the fish get really schooled up and get kind of locked into their patterns. But um, I don't know. I, with the kids, man, with my oldest, I'm just excited to really start to get him outside. We t- I took him on his first goose hunt the other day and course it was like three days of like weather in the 60s and then the day that we've locked these geese down it was just a small little group a couple of groups coming to this little small pothole pond and we shot some birds and he was stoked but it was like 30 degrees the whole morning so it was, oh. he was cold <laughs> had his super warm socks on and extra tufts but y'all know how extra tufts are when it's actually cold your feet are still freezing no yeah, matter what no. you do so uh, that was fun but just getting to explore the outdoors with him do some fishing camp and hunting um definitely exciting so i i I try to take as much of a break from fishing as I can this time of year and hunt a lot mm-hmm. just to kind of rebuild that drive and passion. Um, so I do, I run some guided hunts and stuff this time of year, uh, but I'm still in the water a good bit. But yeah, I'm just, a, I, I get excited for the, the new year, the new um, kind of trends and, and trying to remind myself like that there's still so much untouched, not untouched, but just for me to learn each year. You know, I like learning favorite thing is always finding a new zone or a new little spot that, that works. And so that's, there's this little section of marsh that, that I've been really wanting to, to look at each summer. I've talked about it for like three or four years. And so that's like really on my hit list for this year, um, to check out and, and spend some days just pulling trolling motor and when, when I don't have trips. So yeah, that's my plan. What about you, Mike? Um, I think this year I'm most excited about, I got a new boat. So I got 1987 uh, Seahawk, been completely redone. Sweet. Um, finishing up some things on it, getting it exactly the way I want it, get it dialed in for this year. But really looking forward to springtime, some Bonita. That's going to be fun out of that boat. I haven't, you know, I've done it in the past out of buddies' boats. I've done it on my skiff when the weather's just perfect. But actually having the ability to get out there and spend some time doing it and the weather doesn't have to be exactly magical for the day to be able to get out there. Um, so that's awesome. Also looking forward to the summer. I want to start tackling some new species like sheep's head, black drum, some of that kind of stuff. I feel like that's something that we, we overlook and not necessarily maybe we, but I know I overlook. I see them a lot when I'm, you know, pulling around and I see them floating on an oyster bar or something and it happens so quick. It's not like you're ready for that. But, like, now that I've put enough of those little spots together, I'd like to kind of go back and actually take some time. And whether it's throwing fiddler crabs on jig heads or floating them down through there or something. But, you know, just actually take some time to try it. Mm -hmm. Spend some time doing that. Looking forward to some new species with that. Um, And then once we get into the fall time, love trout fishing. So expanding that. This year wasn't terrible. It wasn't, wasn't a banger year like we've had in some years past, but it still was a pretty good year. Um, fish just kind of seemed to set up a little different. They didn't they didn't follow the same pass that they have in the past few years, quite as consistently, I would say. But um, just expanding on some of that too. So for sure, yeah, I think Mike's going to become a nearshore wizard with his new boat because he's always <laughs> had so much passion and and ability out there, but just not the boat to get out there and do it. You know, so I think that that's going to be be cool. I want to. Oh, one thing I always love doing in January, February, March is tog fishing. Nobody mm-hmm. tog fishes, but it's. It's one of those calm days to go out there with some crabs and, like, finesse those bites out of them. Like, you go catch sheep's head and tog. It's fun. And I love eating tog. They're so easy to clean, and they're delicious, so it's fun to go. 
That's a sleeper fishery. Yeah, it is for sure. And I, we have them year round. I remember when I used to dive in the summer on the jetty. We I'd see tog in the summer there, but I don't. Th- I think our ones like out in the ocean that are um, on some of the near shore structure and wrecks. They they probably migrate back north. Yeah, that's pretty pretty cool fishery. We don't talk about hardly ever, or just offshore sheephead in general. Yeah, or no. near near shore sheephead yeah. in general. Um, yeah, a lot lot of learning to do out there for sure. For sure, you you're kind of on a. Are you still trying to sell your boat? I mean, yeah, I'm not trying hard, but yeah. there's is it like, listed? It is on Facebook Market, not like Boat Trader, Micro Skiff, nothing yeah, like yeah. that. But yeah, um, if anybody wants to buy it, and what what if you sold your boat today? What would you oh, What would you want to do? I hate that question. <laughs> well, then why is it for sale? Because <laughs> I, I want I do want to switch skiffs or switch boats, um, but I might wake up tomorrow and have a di- different answer. Um, got my eyes on a few different skiffs. Um, might just end up adding a boat to the fleet and, and having the bay boat and the skiff. I saw it. I saw a uh, awesome Seahawk mm. for sale yesterday in Wilmington. Mm. Twenty four thousand, like Mike's boat. It would be a sick secondary boat to have with your skiff. I used to love my bay rider. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. The, and then I recently went up north and fished some bigger water. I say recently, last August September, spent some time up there. Um, and a guy was like, yeah, I'm not going to use my boat. Just run mine. It was a 2260 Bay Rider. And that, like, reinstilled how much I love their rigs. Because it's not, it means super shallow for what it is, being a flat bottom. But it rides better than your average flat bottom because of those big chines. And it's so roomy. I mean, you can just load it down with people and gear. And I mean, you all know the the guest that comes down the dock with a 45-quart cooler and, and any kind of gear they're going to need for weather and in a skiff, that's a tough hurdle to get past. But in that boat, I'm, it didn't matter. You can bring everything but the kitchen sink, and there's going to be room for it. Um, so I thought about maybe adding one of those or some kind of 2300. Uh, but I've also been eyeballing a lot of other skiffs. Um, my skiff is a, is a do-it-all skiff, and we all know that just means it sucks <laughs> at everything. Um, but it's okay at everything, I guess. I, it can take big water runs okay. It pulls okay. It drafts just okay. So I've just hit a point where I need to do something, whether it be expand. If it sold, I would look heavily into the you know, the Marquesa realm, a little bit bigger skiff, um, or the S, or I don't, I, I don't know. I'll wake up and have a different answer for you tomorrow. I was say, that's two totally different directions. Two of this totally skiff. different. <laughs> um, hard up on the Blazer Bay 675s. You know, I want to yeah. do 70. And if, if I want to switch area codes, I want to do it now, you know, uh. as early as yesterday. So I, I want to be fast. I want a big gas tank. Uh, I want to be able to pull it in five inches of water. <laughs> yeah. I, won't, I won't be impossible, really. Um, yeah. I, it's really irresponsible of me because I, I do make my living off my boat to the ability for it to be sold tomorrow and not know what's next. It's kind of irresponsible. But uh, we'll see what comes next. I, I don't know. But – yeah, you'd hate to get in that scramble of like, oh my goodness, I got I got, I've got trips coming up, and I don't have a boat, and just buy something out of necessity instead of really getting what you want. Yeah, I, I would, and I, I will cry when that Ranger Phantom rolls out of my driveway because it is a great boat. Um, it's not. I mean, like I said, it, it's okay of a lot of things. If you wanted to do most of what our area offers, it's not a bad boat. Um, on the inside. On the inside. Yeah. I mean, I've had it in the ocean. Like we've all had our skiffs in the ocean, but that's not what that skiff is designed it's never the plan no Mm -mm. nope but um yeah 
uh, if anybody's on here looking for a Ranger Phantom 168, I know a guy. It's a good boat. It looks no. fast, too. I put that 75 Dahatsu on it. I mean, it's the size of a 150. It looks like a 70-mile-an-hour yeah. boat. But um, What are you getting out of that thing now? Dude, it's normal skiff speed, 35, okay. you know, 37 with the tide to your back maybe. Yeah. It needs to be propped, right? It's still got the original prop on it. Um, gotcha. You need to go ahead and bite the bullet and yeah. get it propped right. But um, it's so good on fuel. I yeah. mean, to, to only be a 14, 15-gallon tank in that Phantom, it, I can do anything I want to do. From middle of the island up towards the Emerald Isle, I can, I have the confidence in that tank. Yeah, yeah. Um, to go do that. But uh, looking forward to this year, dude. I'm already over winter. What is it, January fourth? <laughs> I'm over it, dude. I am not. You would think as a husky fella, like I am no little feller. I would be fine. You know, I've got insulation. Right. Nah, Mm-mm. I don't like it. I don't like being cold, and and it's unfortunate because I love. Killing ducks and catching trout, and those are two cold weather events. And I'm ready for um, ready for the spring. I always look forward to making that uh, drive up to the Roanoke. That kind of signifies my spring. Um, again, with, with the shad and the striper and yeah. that whole thing. Um, that kind of is a refreshing. You know, we come from a little bit slower season, doing house projects and you know beating up on these schools of fish and stuff yeah. like that. And I enjoy it. I love the clean water, but um, I'm all right. Like, give me January. Get me to January. I'm over it. Uh, Mine's the end of February now with bird dogs. Yeah. Get to quail hunt to the end of February, and then I'm like, all right, time to make some money. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. So, and we make our money in the winter, but it's the trip's a little more spread out, a little more weather dependent. It's nice to get on that, that spring grind. April's always nuts. April, April is nuts. Crazy. Yeah, April's wide open, wide open. June's my favorite time of year to fish. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. I love June. You said late yeah. summer, but mine would definitely be early summer. Yeah. Um, I feel like May always has some really good, like, into the beginning of June, and then we get that June funk for a little bit, and then it's like, all right, mullet are here, everything else shows up, and it's like July, around July 4th, and it's like, bam, for yeah. us. It just starts rolling. Mm-hmm. That's when the fishing starts getting good. So, a so, little bit of a topic change. Mike, let's talk about, real quick, just a little shameless plug. Mike and I have started a little side business, uh, yep. Coastal Trailer Repair. Michael used to work with his buddy. They had a trailer medic here in, in, in Wilmington. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're doing full-service trailer repair, lights, hubs. It's a great time of year to get that done. So, Mike, take people through your history with, with trailer repair and, and kind of tell people what we can do for them if they've got stuff. Cause right now is that time of year we're fixing all our stuff for the upcoming season. Yep. And, and with the trailer business, we're going to be swamped once we get to spring. So that wintertime stuff is, is awesome. We're going to have somebody once our fishing right now, we can, you can work in the afternoons after trips and stuff like that. But, uh, in the spring and summer, it's going to be, we'll have somebody else working with us as well. Um, but take us through kind of, your history with the trailer repair and, and what we can do for people. All right. Um, yeah. So when I graduated college, I was working for the state right out of school and we didn't pay to take stuff anywhere or we had to fix it ourselves. So with that, I mean, we did everything from service, our own engines and electrical repair, boat trailers, the whole nine, a lot of truck stuff, all that, um, just to keep us on the road. So I was already a little mechanical, but that really kind of, 
gave me that base layer of figuring things out. And then a buddy of mine, his stepdad, ran a trailer business, Trailer Medic. Um, he left, took a job somewhere else, and left him the business. And he started to grow it and just kind of lined up perfectly where I was coming out of some grant-based work and stepped over to help him for a little bit. And it turned into a couple-year thing working with him. Um, they had some family things come on. They wanted to change things up. So they ended up closing and kind of going in a different direction. But, um, during that time, I mean, we did everything from build custom axles and, um, you know, break jobs on big car haulers, triple eight lug stuff. So near 30,000 pound trailers, um, redo enclosed trailers, work on 18 wheeler floors, electrical, um, hydraulics, all that kind of stuff for dump trailers, so we were kind of the do-it-all, one-stop shop for, for trailers. Um, so with the new business, you know, kind of coming from that background, knowing what was, what was easy, not I want to say easy, but what was, what made sense for um, us to do consistently was, you know, your springs, your hubs, there's some cross members out there on some trailers that are good. Once you start getting into some of the welded aluminum, these, these trailers are so old, they're so in salt impregnated that you know welding back on them it can be hit or miss so you know some of that stuff it's kind of case by case but um really looking for springs hubs axles electrical you know tail lights side marker lights that kind of stuff um and then working into electrical brakes for your landscape and utility guys so i know if you're if you're like judge you got four different types of trailers and you know boat whatever um landscape utility so um yeah working on all that kind of stuff but give us a call let me know what you need um i'll have my phone number either on the website or it'll be down in the description so if you're looking for something right now is the time to do it because like you said during the springtime and the summertime are crazy but during the winter take the time to go ahead and do a little preventative maintenance so you're not stuck on the side of the road with a blown out hub or a busted spring sitting on the ramp with your trailer on its axle Mm. and you can't get back up um so definitely go out and start taking a look at that and start thinking about it. But, um, yeah, springs, hubs, axles, lights, you know, basic electrical. Um, that's that's kind of what we're going to be our forte for sure. Um, willing to do some other stuff, so just call and see what we're kind of – what you got, and we can kind of go from there. So typically the way I do things, um, call me, send me some pictures. If you're local here in town where I can swing by and see you in the next day or two, um, I might come by, check it all out. If I, if it's something I need to put my eyes on more than just, you know, a hub or a spring or whatever. Um, and then meet up, bring, bring the trailer into the shop and I'll get you a quote, you know, have all that ready to rock and roll beforehand. So we go through the job. If something comes up or we need to change something or do something different that I didn't see, maybe it was based on pictures or something extra that you could do to kind of put yourself in a better situation for this year. We'll kind of go over that and, um, you know, and get you a quote on that and you can make a decision to either do it then or do it later, but at least you'll kind of have, have an idea, um, do some once overs too on trailers. So if anybody's looking, you know, Hey, can, you know, this kind of looks bad or whatever. Um, we do, you know, a, a diagnostic or whatever on stuff and check it all out, give it a good once over, make sure all your lights are working, that kind of thing. We can do that as well. So that, ad- that advice on the preventative stuff's big because, excuse me. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but my dad, he wasn't much of an angler, except I found on my own, you know, that I was just super passionate about. So the minute I got my license, I was like, how am I getting a boat? That was like right, priority right. number one. And uh, I got one, 
and uh, cheap little aluminum boat, and uh, I didn't know nothing. Like, I didn't know. Luckily, worked at a tackle shop. I'm like, hey, you need to be flushing that thing every time you fish. You know, like, stuff like that. Nobody told me about a trailer. Uh-huh. Uh, I lost my trailer on 17 right in front of Eastern Outfitters, and, like, uh, if you if you can think about it, I've probably messed it up, whether it be trailers or outboards or whatever, um, uh-huh. and then learn that way. But for, for you to have the ability to, like, hey, man, here's what was wrong with your trailer, and here's some things you should prevent, that would be so helpful. Because I remember being 16, 17 years old, not knowing, and it would have been, you know, not, it was saving a lot of money and, and, and frustration. Luckily, ended up marrying a girl whose dad was super savvy with them. He's like, are you dumb? I'm like, yeah, maybe. You know, like, <laughs> he, he pointed me in the right direction in a very loving and caring way, if you only knew him. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that, that's really cool. I'm excited for you guys, and excited for the business to get going. I recently did my lights, and I was like, I'm, you know, rolling around in my garage, and <laughs> And you're by yourself, the tackle, or not the tackle box, but the toolbox is on the other end, and you got the wrong size. You're like, I'm paying somebody next year. <laughs> I'm not doing this again. Um, I think the, the, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just say, the one thing that I replace, I mean, three times a year, I don't know what I'm doing wrong, dude, is my trailer jack. My okay. trailer oh, jack really? goes out all the time. Hmm. And it doesn't go out, go out, but it, like, I'm just scared of, like, if it starts bouncing, you know when I'm jacking up, like, kaka, 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 yeah, kaka. Yeah. like I don't want to come in to the garage tomorrow morning and like it gave out or something, and I gotta like man up and, and pick my. It's a skiff, so I could do it, but I don't want to drop a cherry at four o'clock in the morning trying to hook up to the thing because the right. jack went out. So, right. huh. um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I was gonna say, I think the biggest like maintenance thing that people don't think about is that's simple and easy to do is just. Greasing your hubs. Yeah. I mean, jack them up, spin them, listen to them, make sure there's no play in it, and put some fresh grease in it. Yeah. I mean, in the saltwater environment, it's it's really recommended every year to take them apart, completely clean them, re-grease, and put them back together in every five to 6,000 miles, which most people don't pull trailers that much, at least not around here. They sure. might do that in a year. Right. But, you know, on an over-the-road trailer landscape utility, just like an oil change in your car, mm-hmm. every time you do it, you jack up your trailer, you spin the hubs, you check it, and you put fresh grease, yeah. you know, through the Zerk fitting in it. Mm-hmm. That'll get you down the road. In the saltwater environment, whether you pull the trailer and you only dunk it once in three months, pull the cap every two, three months, and just look at it. That mm-hmm. water gets in there, it mixes with the grease, it sets on the bearings, and then they rust it out. I mean, it's not that you did anything wrong. It's just part of what we live in, yeah, what we deal sure. with every day. So, so um. When Eric was going through, Eric's my father-in-law I was telling you about. Yeah. He's like, dude, here's some things you need to start doing. You know, like finally took me under his wing. He's like, da 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 going through some stuff I should keep an eye on. Outboard, skiff, the whole nine yards. He's like, grease your hubs. And I'm like, trying to write it down, soak it up. I didn't know I had oil bath hubs. So I get back to my condo at the time. <laughs> I'm trying to do all this maintenance. I'm like, how the crap do you grease these things? <laughs> I wasn't familiar with oil bath hubs at the time. And uh, I'm not not mechanical but i am not like super mechanical either right and I, I called him i'm like dude i don't know what you're talking about like i know how to grease something right i know how to grease hubs i don't know how to grease these pulled it back over to his house in sneeds fair and he's like dude they're oil bath hubs i was like that would have been helpful to know you know what i mean <laughs> like i felt so right, dumb right. um that was my intro to oil bath hubs and i really actually really like my oil bath hubs but they're they're expensive to replace 
they are expensive, but yeah, old baths is they're they're pretty awesome. Yeah, I, pretty cool. you don't see them very often, but they are nice. You having a little sight glass on the end of them to really be able to see it without like it's almost like you don't have that to break it down. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to take the cap off. You just see that, and mm-hmm. you're like, oh, that looks bad. I yeah. need to do that. Not oh, the cap still looks good. Let's keep rolling. You yeah. know, and everything behind that cap is bad. I've I've posted so. some funny like neglected my maintenance for a while like um did a service on one of my motors when i ran two boats and it dude it was like chocolate milk draining Mm -hmm. my lower unit i was like oh no Mm -hmm. and like i was like i'm gonna start posting all of my neglected maintenance you know like (laughs) the the blown hub on the side of the road or the (laughs) my favorite psa you know the beer can cap that's duct taped over the end of the hub that, mm-hmm. That's my favorite. I see that at the ramp quite often. Pretty, I mean, it, it works. I've, yeah, I can't say that I haven't done it a couple times yeah. just to get me through. A cap comes off going down the highway mm-hmm. or something. You're like, oh, I just don't want to get water straight into the bearings. Yeah, what can I do? We could do a whole episode on things you need to know if you're going to own a boat. Yeah, that would be a good episode. And honestly. we could start at the boat ramp. Yeah, this is a tie down <laughs> lane. <laughs> yeah, you know, like this uh, isn't uh, this is a untie lane. Yeah, well, this, yeah, <laughs> it's untie lane. That's one of those things. If you got a new boat this year, don't wait till springtime when the water is warm and everybody wants to go out on what is it Memorial Day weekend, and you're clogging up the ramp or don't know how to back down. Take the time now. Go to the ramps. The ramps are empty. You know, get comfortable backing it in, figuring out where to get it on and off the trailer, all that kind of stuff. You know, we do it every single day. We don't think twice about it, but you definitely can tell when somebody doesn't know or needs that little extra help or whatever and yeah taking the time this time of year to figure that out is is key i feel like for a lot of people i about messed up at the ramp the other day i have a confession so let's hear it you know i call it uh my wife knows because she does it in the house getting ready to go out anywhere i do it to get ready for trips i call it the preparation tornado you're doing nine different things and you're doing it fast you're about to be late for something she does it with makeup and hairspray and whatever else she does to get ready. I'm you know, tackle, plug, blah, 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 doing everything. Well, I totally forgot in getting ready that the day before I silicone my bunks. And I was like, you know, preparation tornado, get it done, random a boat. Anyways, um, next day, fresh silicone, forgot all about it. And, dude, my boat shot off of my trailer like a rocket. Y'all know exactly what <laughs> we dry launch our oh, skiff, yeah. so we know exactly what we're talking about. I made this, like, and I'm, this is embellishment, but it's pretty funny, but I made this, like, Indiana Jones, you know, felt like I was in the air for 30 seconds, jump onto the boat, landed on my pot belly on the bow, <laughs> and, like, rolled myself to the center console. I was like, dude, that was so close. Like, I had to, like, walk the tight line, you know, down the trailer, onto the fender, and jump, and I looked around, and there wasn't nobody. I was like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> That I've been on the other end. I popped a winch strap last summer, and um, had it fly off. Yeah, and I'm just looking at it. I'm like, "There's my boat. It's in the water." There's another guide. He's like, "Dang, that sucks." There's another guide, and everybody's guests have already shown up, so I have a good crowd here. And uh, they're like, who's that guy? Oh no, he's a full time guide. He does this every day. You know, like super embarrassing. The guy beside me just drove me over to it, but yeah. We've all messed it up some oh, way, shape, sure. or form. But I, I, I'll make a confession since you have. I have laid a boat out on the ramp before. I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast. But this was back in college <laughs> in the middle of the winter, South Topsail, Bushes Marina. 
and was fishing. Were you fishing with me that day, Mike? Nope. I was fishing I by myself. You weren't there. I didn't know if I dropped you off or anything, but I fished by myself. Come back to bushes. My family's at, at South Topsail, so uh, get to the ramp, winch up. One of my dad's buddies is just walking his dog. Or I didn't winch up. I pulled up on the trailer. He walks down as I'm at the tongue of the trailer, and we talk for like an hour, hour and a half, just right there across the tongue of the trailer. For I mean, this was as far as married, so I could just hang out at the boat ramp in the winter as long as I wanted to. Not that my wife doesn't let me, but I'm just saying I did. I was in no rush to be anywhere. This was college, and and so we talk for a long time. I get in the truck, go to pull forward, and he's like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" <laughs> and that little IPB slid off the trailer. Whoever owns IPB now, we fixed it right, so don't worry. It's probably ten owners gone now, but um, onto the concrete. Luckily, the thing's so light. We got some PVC, rolled some PVC underneath it. Put it on the winch, rolled it right back up on there. There was just a couple scratches. That sucks. But it can happen to anybody. That's just, and that day I learned at the boat ramp, don't let anyone help you. Do your system. Finish it before you talk to anybody because anybody can forget. If I did that with my Maverick, I would throw up my mouth and then it would go, <laughs> come through my teeth and spray all over my boat. So I I don't. So descriptive. I, I yeah, I, I'd be sick, but it can happen to anybody. So don't be ashamed. If you if you don't be too prideful, ask for help at the ramp if you need it. You yeah. know that's just a, and be nice at the ramp. Don't be the jerk at the boat ramp. Just be patient. Yeah, world's full of impatient people. Try to be one of the patient people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you, ever, you ever hopped up in someone else's truck? Like, man, I'll back it for you if you want. I I do have a funny story about me getting in someone else's truck, but that it has nothing to do with fishing. But I can tell you all that. Have you, have you gotten in someone else's truck? Yeah. You have. Yeah. Helping them out. There's a handful of. of uh, ladies actually, um, their their husbands are kind of idling, kind of hovering, waiting for the trailer to get right. And this is pa- this like a small community of ladies, or? Well, no, I actually know kidding. them now. <laughs> um, very sweet ladies. Ended up going to church with them later. It was like the sixth time, and I, I walk up. I'm my my trip's done. I know where to be. I'm like, I don't mind backing it for you, like if if you want me to. And uh, I back their trailer in, or and they're like. What? How'd you do that? I'm like, well, I have messed it up. I have jackknifed. I've sunk it. I've lost it. I've. That's the only way I know to do it is from messing it up a bunch. And uh, so yeah, I'll be the first one. But like typically, it's a little different to ask another dude for some reason. I'm trying to step on your toes. You know what I mean? Like I'm not gonna come over cut your grass. It's your your man. You cut your own grass. You know kind of thing. (laughs) But I I certainly will. Like would and I was just saying that to say like man, if you need help, ask for help. For sure. Ain't nothing to it. And if you do know what you're doing, not being mean, it goes a long way. Because um, they're already feeling rushed if they're messing it up, you know? So For sure. For but sure. what's your getting in truck story? It, this was two years ago, maybe three years ago, dove hunt. We've been going to the same field the guys I hunt with. One of the, We usually hunt dove, doves twice on opening weekend. So that Saturday afternoon, hopefully after a goose hunt that morning, and then Monday, yeah, Monday morning, which would actually be Labor Day. Um, and we're sitting there, we, we, we're, we're done hunting. We shot our limited birds hanging out. A lot of the trucks are pulled up. I was borrowing a truck at that time. And so this was, it was a little red Ford or, uh, F1, F-150, kind of like a burgundy. And we're sitting there hanging out. And this, this guy from across the street drives over and we're done. He comes every year and we're done. And he's like, can I have three doves? <laughs> like he just wants enough for dinner that night. So we always give him some doves. 
But uh, we're sitting there, and I was like, all right. I'd packed my truck up and everything. I was like, all right, guys, I got to roll on home, hop in the truck, and start driving off. And his truck was the same color. <laughs> and I had gotten in his truck because it was still running and just started leaving the farm on his truck. And he's running after me. And I get out and I apologize to him because it, I just wasn't used to the truck I was driving anyways. It was a good laugh, but it was pretty funny. He thought I was trying to steal his truck like, right there in front of him. That is pretty funny. Uh, my wife jiggled the uh, handles in, in parking lots of grocery stores more than once. Yeah. there's Apparently, there's a lot of light blue CRVs rolling around. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, talking about wife, so right after... Uh, it wasn't right after, but it was pretty early on when I bought my boat. We had a good day during the winter. It was pretty. So I go ahead, put my wife in the skiff at the ramp, kind of rushing just so we can go have a couple hour, you know, cruise during the middle of the day when it was nice. Back down the ramp, slid the boat off the trailer, pulled up, went to park, and turn around and look back, and my wife's just flagging me down, like freaking out. I'm like, what the heck? And... So I run back down to the boat thinking, like, she needed something. Come to find out, I left all three of the plugs in the back of my Fury out. And the mm. thing was sitting, like, six inches low. And water was already coming up through the center of the center. Con- or like Through the drain hole? Yeah, through the drain holes in the back of the uh, cockpit. So I had to run back up, slide, you know, fly back down the trailer, or down the ramp, put the boat on the trailer. And we sat there for about 30 minutes while the boat drained. What so ramp? That Classic. was Wrightsville Beach. Oh, at least oh, yeah. I did it at yeah. Slough Point and had parked. And like, oh, if you don't know yeah. Slough Point, that's a good what five mile trip. Oh, that's true. It's so far away. <laughs> no, it's not five miles, but it it's a haul. Yeah, and if so you're walking a at a normal yards. speed, it's like three minutes yeah. from the parking lot. Yeah, yeah. probably. <laughs> you're probably right. No, I sprinted it that day. So you you put it in. Yeah. Drove up, parked, mm-hmm. walked back down, and noticed water's coming in, and then had to run mm-hmm. back up. Yeah. <laughs> was that the fastest you ever ran? Yeah, probably. I mean, I was clearing a four four forty, dude. I was, I was getting it. Yeah. Like, NFL combine would have set a record up afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I, I parked, and it occurred to me when I parked because I, I looked in the cup holder and saw the plug. I actually did not <laughs> run back to my truck. What I did is I took off from my truck, and sprinted to the boat, and um, kind of halfway jumped on, into the water on the dive platform, stuck the plug in there, just to stop the bleeding for a minute. Like, okay. I'm not sinking yet. I'm not on the bottom. What's the plan? By myself. No. Who was I fishing with? Captain Caden. The um, fi- He fishes for Stellar Angler God Service now. Oh, yeah. We yeah. worked at a shop together. I don't think either of us were guiding at the time. Anyways, he, he was young. He, and I was like, look, I'm going to get this thing on plane if it'll allow it. There's a lot of water in here right now. <laughs> I'm just going to try to stand the bow up. You hold the wheel straight. And I, while it was, this is terrible, this is qualified captain material, but I was like, I went and pulled the plug as that was on plane and bow standing up and let the, because I don't have, there was no bilge pumps in that bay rider. So I, uh, once it was all done, the water was gone, I reached back around and plugged it and then did not lose my hand to the prop. Well, that's good. So, yeah. It's that's a, the nice thing about the Mavericks is if you ever have an issue, you can do the plug from the inside. I so could you can have, reach in there, yeah. pop it out. If I was thinking, I probably would have tried to get it from the inside of the builds, but a long list of things I've done. That I look oh, yeah. back and I was like, I should have done it that we way. We could do a whole other. We should do a podcast. <laughs> things I wish I had done a different way. Yeah, and just just tell a bunch of stories. But I think we'll wrap this one up. We're almost at an hour. Um, but yeah, 
if y'all want to book a trip, we're all we've all got some open days throughout the winter. Come do some sight fishing. They don't want to book a trip with me now. I'm about sinking boats and losing trailers. Why <laughs> if would you I go with that? With guy? Ozzie, just remind him at the ramp and put a plug in. <laughs> yeah. So, well, guys, thanks for joining us. Uh, they're joining me today here to do this podcast. And uh, just like y'all, I'm ready for some warmer weather, but excited for some schooling, floating fish on some warm winter days. So, yeah, see y'all out there on the water. All right, bud. See you later.